Well, hello, freedom fighters, patriots, throughout Saskatchewan, across the country, and around the world. How are we all doing? Good to see you. I'm just uh, testing out a little bit of a new configuration here. So we're, uh, we're live streaming to Facebook, Canada First, Mark Friesen, Mark Friesen, Saskatoon Grasswood, and Forum for Canadian Sovereignty. I think it's the group. I don't think it's the page. Uh, YouTube, Twitter, and DLive. I will upload the episode to Rumble and Odyssey after the show. Hello, all you good people. How we doing? Diane, Larry, good to see you. Jerry Price. You've beat my record, Chuck. Uh, Sharon, good to see you. Hello, Leonard. Hello, Linda. Hello, Troy, Paul, Murray. Yeah, good to see you. So uh, I wanted to come on a little bit earlier just to, just to clarify something. Uh, last night, and for you Twitter folks, or uh, sorry, TikTok folks, uh, you wouldn't have heard this because I wasn't on TikTok, but you can find that episode. Uh, I was on Rick Walker's show yesterday, and it got a little heated. It's you know, it is what it is. Um, but I think we came away with a, a little better understanding of people's perspectives. Uh, except Phil Primo's still a little mad at me. <laughs> Phil's threatening, threatening to sue me and threatening, threatening me physically at the same time in the same thread. Uh, Phil, this is a message to you. <laughs> if you feel the need that you need to sue me for calling you a lunatic, there is enough footage um, out there to, for me to justify what I said. 
Um, so if I mean fill your boots if that's what you want to do. Um, but the other thing that I wanted to clarify because I, you know, sometimes things when you're live get taken out of context. So um, Rick had asked me about what about other First Nations? And I responded by saying other First Nations are irrelevant when it comes to this event that's being planned. He was referring to other First Nations that weren't attending or were in disagreement with some of the narrative that's been put forward. And yes, I said, if they're not coming to Winnipeg, then they're irrelevant to this discussion, is what I meant. Not to suggest that First Nations people are irrelevant, because we know they're not. So I, I just wanted to make that clarification, because, um, you know, some people tend to spin things and... Uh, take things out of context and then you know next thing you know i'm telling all first nations are irrelevant um of course that's not what i meant uh it was again uh to those who are attending the event that's being planned in winnipeg if you're not then it's not relevant to the conversation of winnipeg that's all that was meant by that so Anyways, <laughs> yeah, Phil isn't quite firing on eight cylinders. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Phil's an emotional guy. And Phil sometimes gets himself in trouble because his emotions get the best of him. And um, although I, I thought he conducted himself quite well on Rick's show yesterday after I got off and Phil came in, uh, I'd still like to be on Rick's show, actually on camera, and and have a, a, a better discussion rather than having to have me call in to the phone. Uh, I would prefer to just have a discussion and sit there, but uh, whatever. It's Rick's show. He can do what he wants with it. And I did meant, actually, I did mean when I was talking about people that were trying to shut him down, don't don't shut him down. Don't go after his website. Don't try hacking him. Um, he has just as much of a right to say what he wants to say as the rest of us do. And, uh, you know, we're, we should have passionate debates. We should have an opportunity to discuss these things. And uh, that's what I wanted to do last night. We did it. So, uh, you know, I think, I think Rick's going to maybe back off a little bit on his narrative that he was establishing there for a while. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. Anyways, uh, I just so wanted to get some of that dirty laundry cleaned up before we moved ahead with, uh, with the rest of this. And I apologize to my next guest, who I consider to be a very good friend of mine, uh, for yesterday. And to the rest of you that were expecting this interview to happen last night, I got sucked into that Rick Walker thing. And uh, it, it lasted quite a bit longer than I had anticipated. So it is what it is. Uh, we had to reschedule for tonight. So tonight is a go. And, uh, and that's that. So um, 
Yeah, Jerry Price understood what I meant. That's good. I'm, I'm glad. I think most people did. I think there's some that are, you know, as they normally do, they tend to hunker down into particular camps and then they, you know, come up with narratives to try to beat people up over. Whatever, it's the nature of the beast. It is what it is. Hey, and you tech talkers, do me a favor. It helps the algorithms. If you're liking and sending likes, uh, it, it helps with the al- algorithms. Same with the rest of you folks. Uh, hit those like buttons and love buttons. Don't hit angry buttons. Angry buttons, from what I understand, is a bad thing. Uh, it, it screws with the algorithm. So, so hit like buttons and love buttons. Lots. It helps with the algorithms. And I need all the help I can get because I'm so terribly shadow banned. Anyways, without further ado, it is now 8 o'clock. I'm going to bring my next guest on. I'm looking forward to having a chat with her. It's been a long time. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Oh, I hear an echo. Why am I hearing Do you hear the echo? I don't hear an echo, but I'll ask the people in the chat if they hear an echo. Do you guys hear an echo out of Granny McKay? You have to talk a little bit so we can see. <laughs> well, we all know I can talk. Yes. Okay, okay just a sec. I'm going to unplug this and we're going to see. Yeah, there's an echo. Now we don't hear you at all. <laughs> can you hear me now? I hear you now. Okay, but I can hardly hear you. Oh. Just a second. Okay, you talk, Mark. Okay, how's that? Are we good? I can just barely hear you. How about now? Just barely. Okay. I got something going on. Oh, I'm. uh, We're still getting. Second, okay. Let me try this again. See, I am not a professional at this. Okay. See if the echo comes back. Okay, that's. How's that sound now? Mark, good. Granny, a little bit of echo. There's a little bit of echo there, they say. Well, I'm not a professional, and I don't have a studio. So I, I think what I'll, I, you know, I do this with Celine because we seem to have the same problem with Celine when I have him on. Uh, when you're talking, I'll mute myself. And when I'm talking, I'll mute you. That seems to work. Oh. Okay. <laughs> like I, 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 I. It comes, so this is going to be a little weird. It's okay. So how how are things? Uh, it's been a while since we've chatted and and uh, spoken with each other. So so what's new in the life of Granny McKay? Oh my gosh, life is crazy. So I'd like you to notice the shirt. This shirt has gone to Ottawa on Mark's behalf. Um, I wore it multiple times, and those were my Mark Friesen days. Since you couldn't go, I took you with me. So, very much appreciated. Thank you. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love it. Yeah, and we were um, we were driving along Sarah and I, and it took us three hours to get past Winnipeg over to the Flying J gas station. I think it is. And um, all of a sudden, we look, and there's Mark on the side of the truck. 
we we only saw a picture of the truck, but you actually all of a sudden we saw the real truck. So we were honking and screaming, and so we got to see your image at least. Okay. Oh, you're still muted. Yeah, I was happy that the Colossians were able to take me on their truck. That was uh, that was very nice of them. I got to make this work. I can't stand this. Just, okay, you try. Okay, how's this? How's that echo, guys? Is the echo better? They're telling me that it, it works when I do the muting, but because um, I can, I can, I just can't, I just stand, stand that, that echo, echo thing, thing here, here driving, driving me nuts. nuts. Oh, you have but, it there. Okay. Uh, Bear with me, Mark. That's all frustrated. No, no, it's all good. Unless I try one ear. So everybody can, are they hearing an echo when I'm on, when we don't have it muted? Um, like you're still saying fine. the echo is still there. <clears throat> I'm fine, but Granny's big echo. Okay, hang on. Well. They did say it was better. How's that? It sounds good to me. Now I let's can't see hear what, you at all. The, let's see what the chat says. You can't hear me at all? Nothing. Ugh. And I can't hear you without this thing, and then it echoes. wonder why. So it got better when you... When you plug the other one in, I guess. Oh, now somebody says better. The one white headphone worked. Yeah, I was on Carrie's show and I had no problem. Try the one ear again, yeah. Uh, now I can't hear you at all. Now you can't hear me? Nothing. says your mic isn't connected. Can you hear me now? Now I hear you. But I can't hear you. You can't hear me? Nothing. That's weird. Can you hear me? Nothing? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, and you, you really need to hear me. <laughs> Your connection's lost the mic. Come try coming back in. Okay. Try going out and come back in. All right, we'll see if she can get that worked out. Oh, YouTube's messing with the stream, too. That's good, of course.
Sorry, guys. It is what it is. What are you going to do? <clears throat> Sorry, guys. We'll get this worked out here shortly. Yeah, Salim always had a bit of an echo, too. Uh, yeah. All right. She's back. Let's see what uh, what happens here now. All right. How are we doing? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I hear you loud and clear, and I don't have an echo. I don't hear any echo at all. Yeah, there's... I, I don't hear the echo now without my earbuds in. Yeah. But I, they probably hear an echo out there. Well, they might just have to tolerate a little bit of echo. Yeah. But I'm not getting any notifications in the chat that they're... That you're echoing. It's a, they say it sounds good, so. Okay, all good. All right, so let's do it. So, how are you? <laughs> I am doing fine, Mark. I'm glad to be here with you. And, uh, you know, I look back over the past, oh gosh, when did I follow you out to Vancouver in that? That was October 2020. Yeah. And we're still here. Yes, we are. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, we are. Yeah, and uh, we're gonna be here for a while yet. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I hear. We got some work to do yet. Yeah, but it's coming. It's coming. Yeah, well, we're, we're all on our own journey right now, and um, the journey to Ottawa was uh, it was an eye opener for me. Like, I knew the corruption was out there, but when you see it with your own eyes and, and bear witness to it. Yeah. It's an it's an eye opener, and uh, so I'm curious in regards to these Coots boys. So what what was your involvement in all of that, uh, you know, Coots event and all of the things that were happening? What was your involvement there? Because obviously I wasn't involved and I didn't make it out there. I didn't make what? it to Ottawa either. But um, so so how did it come to be that you're so involved? Well, like I, I went to Ottawa and um, when Pat and George were arrested and then I, we waited for George, we thought, we didn't know if George would be released right away. And I, I felt really bad if we left him because um, I didn't know if he had help. And so I, we hung around, Sarah and I hung around until about, oh, March 6th. And we finally caught on that he's not gonna get out. So we turned the truck and headed back home on the way back home and, and different times you heard about arrests and you heard about things happening in coots but it was really muddled because information was going everywhere and i'm in a truck and i've got all i got is my phone and and then when i got home i started asking is there anybody in jail and the reason i was asking is because pat and george were still in jail there could be guys from coots or gals still in jail. So I started asking, but Mark, it was like crickets. There was nothing. So then I, and I, life goes on a couple weeks or a week or so go by and I would ask again and it was crickets. So I actually scrolled back through my, um, my feed to kind of see myself what was going on because it, it's all a blur. So we get, um, all of a sudden I saw a TikTok. And this guy says, okay, enough's enough, people. 
everybody's out of jail. It's time for us to focus on four men that are still in jail. And I went, bang, there's four guys in jail. Right. They didn't know who they were or their names. So I went on a, a coot site. I went looking in groups and I found a coot site and I said, does anybody know the names of these four men? And um, Carrie from Chris and Carrie came on and he said, and he gave me their names. So then I went hunting for them, trying to figure out who are they? And you know, Mark, innocent until proven guilty. I never right. once thought about the guilt part of it. There was no crime. There was nobody hurt. Right. So I, I didn't even think about that. I was thinking about who are they? Then when I found out about the man being in jail, I thought of their moms. I didn't even actually think about the men yet. I thought, what if that was my son? And there's a mom out there with her kid in jail. So then I started posting innocent until proven guilty. Who are these men? Are they brothers? Are they sons? Dads? Who are they? And then I started up on um, this political, Alberta political prisoners page. And I actually started it a year ago. One of the pastors must have been in jail when I started this page. And I thought, I'll start posting in there. Political prisoners. Then some of the family started reaching out to me because they're exhausted now. They're, they're, these men aren't getting out. And their family and friends are, are spent. First off, they get arrested. They think they're going to get out in a couple days. And then weeks go by. And then months go by. And nobody's talking about it. Nothing. It is just like crickets. So then I start finding out who these men are. And I found out um, Tony's an only child to his 79-year-old mother. Then I find out there's two single fathers. Then I find out there's a, a husband and a father. And then I find out the wife doesn't even get to go visit him. And then I start and, hearing... And why, is, and why is that? She's got a... Well, it's, it's actually quite weird because um, the judge gave her permission to go see him in jail. She had, has the okay from the judge. So she did get to visit him once, I think it was, and then she rescheduled to go back and see him. So she phones in, books the, the time, and within, like she hung up and then the phone rang again. She answers and it's the same person she just talked to. And the same person is like night and day. Was a nice person and now not a nice person. And see, that, don't to me, sorry, to me that, that seems like government interference because in my experience and i worked at remand centers i worked at you know maximum security provincial joints which is what remand centers are and i worked federal and on no occasion was it that visiting was to be granted by a judge if you're in prison and you have family that wants to visit then they would accommodate because you need to have contact with people on the outside i.e. your family and so that was it was never something that was granted by a judge that seems very odd to me i've never seen anything like that yeah because um there's restrictions with all everybody that was down there there's restrictions you know there's a list of names you're not allowed to see and and um i don't so they all of a sudden they say well you're not allowed to see him she can phone him 
but she can't see him because she's got this charge. Yeah. And she never got charges until she went to find out why her husband was in jail. And then she got charged when she was sitting in the, the waiting room. And she got charged with what? I'm not, you know, I'm not exactly sure if it's a mischief charge or what it is. I, I, I can't actually, I don't ask a lot about the charges because again, it's innocent until proven guilty. But so, and I keep saying that over and over. People want to tell me details or the rumor mill and I just go, mm-mm. Well, so, and that's an interesting subject in and of itself. And I, and I get the whole innocent until proven guilty, but, uh, and I don't know exactly what the charges are against these four guys, but I, I do know that if, you know, if there's something to do with violence and somebody's going through the court process and they're not granted bail, um, you know, then you're stuck in jail. That's just, now, of course, there's going to be some prejudice against these four because of who they are, what they represent, who they associated with. And I understand just, again, you know, through, through different people that, that something was said or something was overheard or something. The RCMP were surveilling these guys and they said something, um, I don't, I don't know. <clears throat> I, I don't want to quote the Herald because that doesn't seem to be reliable to me. So, I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know all the circumstances. So it, it's hard for me to, to judge. Well, it's mainly um, the, the reason bail was not because they've got a criminal record and it's not because they've got a history of violence. It's um, because it might, or it might um, bring um, lack of trust for the justice system. So got to keep them inside. Um, there were some weird things. It, like I said, the judge was leaning to let one of them out. It sounded like he was going to let him out. And then when he comes back into the courtroom, um, whenever it was days later, he won't look at anybody. He's looking down. He's white. Like, makes you wonder. So, But again, it's been a nightmare with the lawyers. Um, one of them is one of the guys has had the same lawyer since day one and uh, the rest of them, an absolute nightmare. Uh, there's been crown interference. There's been lawyers telling the lawyers to quit. There's been um, a lawyer, they've been taking money and there's no invoice or receipt or accountability for the money. Um, legal aid is now interfering. It's, it's been a nightmare. And um so I, I also understand that Danielle Smith, the Premier of Alberta, is now being tasked to search through emails to see if any prosecutors had spoken to government officials in regards to these guys' case. And so I, I'm interested to see what comes of that. <clears throat> she says she'll uh, release whatever information she comes across um this coming week so uh, you know stay tuned i guess but and it and it is a nightmare like these were four working men they could take care of their own legal bills instead they're costing the taxpayers a hundred thousand dollars a year so there's four hundred thousand dollars right now that has been put out where they were working they had businesses they employed people and um two of them have lost everything uh 
you know, it, they had their children in their home. Their children are not in their home now. Um, it's, it's a disaster. And again, hypothetically, if they are innocent, who's going to repair this? There is no repair. There's no amount of money you can throw at these men. You know, people will say, well, sue them. That doesn't help today. When it costs a lot of money to sue somebody. The time, money, energy. They're running out of energy right now. Yeah. I don't They're just trying it. to keep their sanity. Yeah. I don't doubt it. So, uh, so do you know what, what they were charged with? Do you know what the charges it, are? It reads something to the effect of conspiracy to murder RCMP officers. So I'm guessing that that came from whatever surveillance the RCMP was doing uh, on their phones, maybe? Um, or is it is it is it they overheard somebody speaking or somebody uh, is a witness and reported this, them saying this to somebody? Uh, so do you know any particulars? I don't know a lot of the details. I know there were undercover cops. Two, there was two women schmoozing and playing up and um so and then taking sound bites man i could look like a, a a good lord knows what with some of my conversations i'm sure if you take sound bites out there was one uh tony was telling me about in his uh disclosure and he's talking and they took a, a chunk out of out of a text or a, a message or something he was talking about a hockey game well and and so that's the thing right is is it always it's always about context and when you think you're in a private conversation with people, that's where you should feel the most liberated to say whatever's on your mind. Even if it's, you know, through anger or frustration, you're talking to somebody, maybe venting, maybe saying some things that you wouldn't say publicly or in front of a police officer. But if you don't know you're being recorded, um, you know, I, I just, I, I don't agree with that. I just, there, there's a lot, so much of that that I don't agree with. And they were in a safe zone. So when I was on Wellington, that was a safe zone. These were like-minded people. They're not dangerous people. They were like-minded. We were all frustrated. It, we all need to remember what, what that winter was like. It was dark. It was horrible. We had been abused. We had been mistreated. We had been told we should die. So I don't see any of those people out there in jail right now. And they actually said we should die. So it was a dark, dark time. And um, people were losing everything. People were losing jobs. It was frustrating. And then when you've got, and I'm not saying this to be rude to any women out there, but when you've got a, a little woman acting like she's a damsel in distress and she's going, oh my God, oh my God, I'm so scared, what can I do? And then a, a guy is trying to act like a he-man and I'll protect you, honey. If I have to bring them in, I'll bring them in, you know, that's out of context. So, that, you know, when you, when you get stuff like that going on, and again, I wasn't there, but you have to have a trial to, to show the evidence. Right. And of course, um, they're not going to get out until the trial. 
And uh, so that's going to be going on, what, 18 months? So what is public opinion? What's the definition of public opinion? So what's the tipping point on public opinion? Because they're in jail because of public opinion. So, you know, and everybody's saying, oh, Danielle Smith can't do anything. And I keep saying, whatever. I don't Of course he can. (laughs) Well, I say. Of course he can. And then people will say, well, it's political suicide if she helps these guys. Well, it might be political suicide if she doesn't help these guys. I Just agree. saying. No, I agree. I agree. Um, but there's a few things that concern me about Danielle Smith. Um, <clears throat> you know, that she was going to grant amnesty to everybody that was charged under AHS. And uh, she's walked back from that. She's walked back from a number of things. Um, so that's concerning to me. So, you know, did she get elected? Uh, based on all of these things that she was promising and now walking back from? Yeah, she did. Well, she was in our corner. She was speaking up for, you know, the unjabbed. She was speaking up for the people losing their businesses and stuff. And again, is that a political game? They Everybody plays that. But if you don't talk about the elephant in the room, how are you making any change? Like, like seriously, and, you know, federal, provincial, whatever you want to say, same game. So, and this emergency act, that's not done yet. It's not put to bed. So he has to prove, yeah, that emergency act inquiry inquiry may be done and it's doing whatever it's doing, but he has to look like he, he did that on with a good reason. Well, what's his good reason? There's probably four weeks left. So what, what will he do? Well, that's just it. So that's that's sort of the case with with a lot of the justice system across the country. Um, you know, in our Constitution, and, and this is outside of the Emergency Act, but even, even all of the charges that myself and so many other people were given, um, when the provincial governments came out with these mandates and these restrictions that we were supposed to be complying with, and we didn't, and we went and gathered... As per our constitution, we went and exchanged or associated with people and and expressed our freedom of expression and freedom of speech. Um, you know, the only way that they can limit that is if under Section 1, they actually demonstrably prove that the measures they enacted or implemented uh, were consistent with, you know, with the situation or justified because of the situation. Not one provincial government has justified their actions, not one. And the constitution is very clear that they have to demonstrably justify these mandates and restrictions. And none of them have done that. None of them have brought any evidence forward. And so I've, you know, there's been judges here in Saskatchewan that have uh, convicted me, found me guilty, um, you know, of, of attend, yes, because I did attend um, gathering events, over 10 people outside. But the government, the onus is still on the government to provide the evidence to justify those actions. And they haven't done it. In fact, there's actually been prosecutors tell uh, complainants or, or, or the you know people that were accused that, yeah, you know what, we're dismissing these because we don't have any evidence. Right. So they've admitted it. But in other cases that I'm involved in, the judge doesn't care. The judge just says, yeah, yeah, you know what? Nah, 
you guys don't have to. The government actually doesn't have to uh, live under the, the uh, Section 1 of the Constitution or the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Nah, it's okay. We'll just, you're guilty, and here you go. So th that's how the system's working, right? So it's, it's all bent towards the government, and that's not how this is supposed to work. And, and like you said, there's precedent set for cases like yourself, and, and they don't care. But the fear out there, people are paying their, their tickets because they're terrified. They get a, a, you know, a COVID crazy judge and they're thinking, oh my gosh, if I don't take a, a plea bargain here, what's going to happen to me? I'm going to lose my business. I'm going to pay a lot of money. The community, like it's, it's crazy. Like, and like, even with me the other night, I got a phone call, Mark. I don't know if you know this. Wednesday night at about 5.15, I get a phone call from a staff sergeant out of Sherwood Park. And he says to me, um, I was wondering if we could meet tomorrow. And I just listened. I didn't say anything. And he says, um, I understand you're, you're organizing a convoy down to Coots. And I just listened. And he says, I was a liaison down there last year at Coots. Maybe you were down there. And I'm thinking, you already know I wasn't. And uh, he, so he goes on, but I don't say anything. I just sit there and listen. So he finally gets done. And I said, why did you phone me? And he says, well, want to talk about the convoy you're organizing? And I said, I'm not organizing any convoy. And he says, well, the email that went across my desk shows your name. And I said, well, it's wrong. And he says, uh, well, do you know any names that you could give me or any phone numbers? And I said, well, how about we do it this way? You give me your name and your phone number. And I, by chance, know somebody, I'll hand it over. So I waited until I went on, on the show with Carrie and I public announced it. And I said, if anybody wants to give this gentleman's name and phone number to whoever needs it, go ahead. But they, so why did they phone me? Me out of everyone. Right. Yeah. Just letting them, me know that they're there. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely mm -hmm. there. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, it's uh, the corruption is is pretty thick. And, and you know, let's face it, these, these four Coots boys are scapegoats. They're being used. Um, they represent, by the state, represent us, Mark. By the state to intimidate everybody else. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what this is. And we all know it. And, and unfortunately, they're sacrificial lambs, and they have to be the ones that, that go through this. Um, so I, I, I am, you know, quite honestly, I'm looking forward to, you know, the trial. I understand it's June 2023. So yeah. a few months and that's now. if all four have have um, lawyers on February 2nd, because they have to book the, the, the trial dates and everything. And if, if, if they don't give over Chris's... Um, legal aid certificate he can't get his lawyer in place and that's only a week away so this is a well, dirty dirty game and it's yeah it's not a foregone conclusion that he will get granted um a, a lawyer because he has to prove that he can't afford it so he's already he's already that's done that was done in december and then january 3rd Legal Aid's supposed to be sending the certificate over to the lawyer he has. And they said it would take nine days. That was January 3rd. 
So he's been phoning back and forth. And as you know, Mark, it's not easy to just grab the phone and phone a lawyer and then grab a phone and phone legal aid. So he, he finally gets back to legal aid. No, it's sound. So he phones the lawyer, the lady's going, no. So she goes into some portal thing. No, it's not even sent. So back phoning legal aid again. She goes, no. And then she, and oh, there's a stop on it. There's a freeze. Oh, so now he phones the lawyer again. And he goes, what's going on? Then he phones back to legal aid again. Oh, the manager has it now. And so why is the, so then the next day, oh, the senior manager has it now somebody's pulling some strings and somebody's got some clout of course absolutely 100 percent. that's what's happening and and <clears throat> so we're we're trying to i've been talking with a lawyer just to there's so many things here like first off every last penny any lawyer has um taken from these four men like the one man's okay it's the other three has to be accounted for and and we're on that then we need to ask some questions like, how do we get that certificate over to the lawyer that's waiting for the certificate? Then the lawyer that took the 30 plus thousand dollars and has not given a, a receipt for yet, still has the 29 binders of disclosures. It's, they are playing games here. So do you know, uh, when they had their bail hearing, what was the reason that they weren't granted bail? Do you know that? Because it would uh, cause hesitancy with, within the public. Basically, that's what it came down to, is the public would not trust the justice system. Pretty weak. Yeah. And the people need to hear all this. And that, yes. like, that's why I thank you for doing what you're doing. Because... Um, well, there, there seems to be a whole lot of crickets around where people aren't willing to even have the discussion. Um, and that, that saddens me. And they're, they're self-proclaimed freedom people. And they are afraid to have the discussion. They're afraid mm -hmm. to inform people around them as to what's happening. And that's, well, yeah. that frustrates me. So I get it. Well, Mark, it was like I'm running towards the fire and everybody else is running away from the fire. And I'm going whoa, we're all supposed to be going that way. And then I'm standing there by myself and I'm going like, what just happened? It, it's really confusing. I spoke with somebody today, I won't say names, but um, so he's talking to me and um, was talking about the Winnipeg thing and wanted to know, you know, an invitation was open for me to go. And I said, I said, thank you for the invitation. That's very kind of you but I'll be staying in Alberta because I've got a lot of work going on here right now. I've got my hands in many, many things here with these men and I can't let it up for a day. I can't take my foot off the gas for a moment right now. Like we've got a lot of stuff going on. Right. And so I thank this man and he said, well, you know, we could do it um, like via zoom type thing or something, some kind of screen or something. And I said, okay, that would, that would be an eye, but I had to be careful. Because, you know, you know, they they might be guilty. And I said, whoa, innocent until proven guilty. Hmm. And then he's going, yeah, but I've heard on good authority. And I go, really? It's always on good authority. Isn't yeah. It? Mm -hmm. I said, well, I've got it on good authority. There's some people out there that are so-called friends and they're backstabbing these men. 
Right. And that's disturbing. Yeah. And these people need to be called out. So uh, is there somewhere that, you know, my audience can help? Yes. So as we know, Give, Send, Go is out there okay. and we're using it and people are really scared to use it, Mark. Mm. They've had bank accounts shut down. They know people have had bank accounts closed or shut down with uh, with the convoy. So people are scared to, to donate. So people bit, send me stuff. I put it in for them. Some people so just say, hmm? what, what's Where can they send that to? Well, just go to Give, Send, Go, and it's under Margaret Mackay. If you search Margaret Mackay, you'll find the Give, Send, Go. Then there's fundraisers happening. Like, you know, there's one next weekend, and the bucket will go around. That seems to be the best way right now for people. They're not afraid of the bucket. And so they're having that down there. And there's there's another one on February 11th. Um, uh, the Yellowstone Freedom Field is having a gathering. It's a one-year anniversary out there, and they're fundraising for the men. Okay. So we're trying to give, send, go, but I've been doing it for a while and it, it's a hard plug, Mark. People are scared of it. Yeah. I, I would like to say that my audience is uh, pretty brave, pretty courageous. I hope so. Well, I'm a brave one and I followed you out yes, to Vancouver. You <laughs> yes, you are. And I, I really appreciate what you're doing. Because uh, this takes a toll on a person. It's a full-time thing, Mark, right now. Yeah, I sleep. Yeah. I, I Every waking moment is dedicated to this right now. Um, I wake up at 3.30 in the morning and, and thoughts are going through my head. Um, I have to keep doing posts. And do not get me wrong. I don't regret anything I've done for one second. I wouldn't change a thing. And people say to me, so which one's your son? I said, none. In fact, I've never. They met all them. are. Well, that's the thing. I said <laughs> they weren't my sons, but now they're my sons. I've never met them. I talk to them all the time. They're wonderful men. Um, honestly, I've fallen in love with these guys, and I've never met them. Next week, I'm going around and I'm going to go and have a visit. I figured they should maybe see the face to somebody that talks to them all the time. Yeah. So I'm going to go and meet them all. And, and we're not we're not talking about criminals here. No, like we're talking about guys that have jobs that contribute to the community, that have families yeah. and businesses. So, I mean, we're not talking about you know lifelong criminals. We're not no. talking about you know a lot of what the justice system is made up of. These are these are just you know regular masculine men. It seems to me, right? Yeah, they're dads. Their dads and their fathers, their husbands, their sons, and um, like when I talked to Chris, and he wants, he would like to say hi to you, Mark. I just got off the phone minutes before. I, that's Chris Lysick. He, oh, is that Mark Friesen? And he, so, and it was his birthday today. Oh, so okay. everybody, happy well, birthday! Pass along a happy birthday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, he turned. I said to Chris, I said Chris, because he was he was a little bit teary eyed, and I said to him, I said Chris. We're celebrating your birth. I said, that's a reason to celebrate. And we're all celebrating it out here. I had over 200 birthday wishes to him. So I read some of them. Some of them are very touching and they're praying for him. And he, he went into tears. You know, it, it's hard, but well, he's, um, 
Yeah, absolutely. I've heard beautiful stories from him. He's got two daughters. And, uh, oh, Mark, you'll like this story. So he's a camper uh, or like a and hunter. Yep. And um, he's got two daughters. And you can kind of relate here. And he built, a, you know, the hitch potty thing on the back of the truck. And he says, if you have daughters, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, he's a sweetheart. He's a big man. He's like six four, three hundred pounds, they say. Yeah. And his sister says he's like a big teddy bear. So how are they being treated inside? Actually pretty good. Like pretty good. They they said so the, um the staff are treating him yeah. decent? Good. Yeah. Good. You know, the odd one, as you know yourself, Mark, like um if a cell is cold, it takes a week and a half to maybe get an extra blanket, then they get the blanket, then a because it was really cold and then uh, one night the room gets tossed the blankets get taken away um and but that's about as bad as it gets so that's and are they in separate joints before them oh, like, yeah there's tony a couple in bridge and a couple in calgary right tony's in medicine hat and okay. chris and chris are in lethbridge separately okay. in, in lethbridge yeah. and then jerry is in calgary calgary and people can go to the remand centers. They got those machines in there where you can donate money or you can go inside and you can donate money. So I, I just, I just want to say something uh, as a guy that, you know, did 25 years in the joint. If there's anybody that's working in these joints and, and you can, uh, you know, through obviously, your work if you can make their life a little bit easier please do that these guys aren't your regular criminal right these guys aren't your gang members they're not your um dirtbag so uh if anybody that works in these joints is watching tonight um uh, please you know treat them as fair as you can the criminals are coming in rotating they come in they go out they come in they go out and they're looking at the guys and going you're still in here and those are the criminals they know it's wrong so right and, and remand centers aren't a lot of fun because there's just they don't get the same sort of uh you know liberties that regular sentenced people would get so rules are different for you know people awaiting trial and, and on remand than when you're sentenced so uh it, it's a tough place to be especially for as long as they've been at it well and that's the thing is their mental health and that, like as we know my thing is all about the mental health i started the wiener roast you know a year and a half ago to do with mental health i've done coffee dates to do with mental health it's about our minds right now. And we're all struggling. I don't care who you are. You're struggling. Now, go inside and hypothetically saying, if you're innocent and you're in a remand center, it's one thing if you know you committed the crime. But it's another thing if you, you, you know you're innocent and you're in there. Try and keep your mental health strong with that. So these cards that people are writing and these letters, they have really, really done a lot for these men. And I, I oh, yeah, can't thank they, hmm? they, they need They need to have that contact. They need to have that connection. And, and Jeremy McKenzie was in a similar situation, of course. And 
and he drew a lot of strength from the cards that he received and 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 all the love and support and it is important and it does help it's uh it's a very stark place to exist let me tell you mm -hmm. it's not a lot of fun um being stuck and we're like two places. weeks from uh, or three weeks from a year yeah yeah mm -hmm. nope. and uh, so pray uh, everybody yeah for sure uh pray and and if you can uh, you know send them some notes send them a card send them a letter you know because it, it does help for sure uh, so I just want to thank you, uh, Granny, for for doing what you're doing, because uh, that's that's takes a toll in and of itself as well. Well, and I, you have to yeah. make sure that you're strong enough to to do what you're doing. Yeah, but I've got a good family and a good structure, um, mm -hmm. family structure here, and that's why I've been even over the last two years. What I've done is the reason I did it is because I have that foundation and I have good support. But there's people out there that have nobody and they're all alone. Yes. Yes. And so, and I always say one person can make a difference. Uh, don't Absolutely. underestimate. Absolutely. And I'd like to say, Mark, I had a little angel running around a certain Saskatoon hospital keeping an eye on you too. I, 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 was, I heard that. Actually. I was getting I, daily reports. I was making sure yeah. <laughs> you were okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a whole another story in and of itself. But mm -hmm. yeah, I heard that, and um, and I appreciate it greatly. And the guys are really going like they're them knowing that people like you and um, I'll put a little secret out. There might be a certain blonde lady that I might be on her show shortly. Um, be talking with her and uh, you guys stepping forward and using your platform. See, this is the thing. These men did not have platforms. They are normal, everyday people. They're they're not they're not even like me. They that you know would have mental health support groups. They were just guys, so they didn't have three hundred thousand people following them. They just blended in, right, and disappeared, right. So and, and you guys doing this makes a big deal. Yeah, make big difference. Yeah, well, I hope so because they yeah, they need it. They need our support, and and public support is pretty crucial in these things. Yeah, and people yeah. want to see updates and stuff. Go over to the um, Alberta uh, Alberta political prisoner page. I try to update um, different stories. Like Chris um, Carbert sent out a message. He says, Margaret, can you can you put a message out for me? I'm just randomly picking 20 letters. I got too many to write back to. He says, he says, just tell them I appreciate everything. But so they're sending out messages to, and it's like I'm a, an extension. And where, where can people find this page? It's on Facebook and it's okay. um, Alberta Political Prisoners. Oh, okay. Very good. All right. Mm -hmm. Alberta Political Prisoners. And then the sisters and mothers and friends of, are also right about the men. So you get to learn who they are and, and find out about them. And and then they're, they people engage in messages. And I have to say, it's been a, a very polite page. Um, people help me police it because I can't be everywhere on the page. And if somebody's being rude and obnoxious, zero tolerance. I don't give a second chance. Good, mm -hmm. good. I well, thanks smile, for everything but... you're doing, and and please, next time you talk to them, pass along, you know, my love to them. I will. And support, 
I, I'm going to do whatever I can. The next time you want to give an update, it's open whenever. Just oh, let thank me know. you. I appreciate Contact that. Me and, we'll, and we'll do it. So I appreciate uh, that. Keep us posted and lots of love to the boys. Well, I got to get to Saskatoon because I, I need to meet uh, Donna and I got to come see RB and I got to see you again. It's been a long time since I've given you all of you some granny hugs. So I got to yeah. get to Saskatoon. Sounds good. Are you coming this way? So um, I'll be in Calgary for Christine Anderson on the 18th of February. And then I have to get my butt to Winnipeg. I have to drive all night to get to Winnipeg to give a speech Sunday afternoon there. So, oh my gosh. So that'll be interesting. So that's, yeah, February 18th, I'll be in Calgary. Uh, and then March 4th, I'll be back in Calgary to give um, Bob Blayon is hosting an event with myself, Salim Mansour, Mark Morano, and Archer Pulowski. Oh my so, gosh, I will definitely be the, for, there for that one. That sounds yeah. that sounds fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, so I'll probably see you then. Oh yeah, you'll probably see me before there. You never know. I just okay, pop so. up everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, let us know. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Mark, and I appreciate right. everything. Thanks, okay. Daddy. Ciao Love for you. now. Ciao for now. All right. So. I feel for those men because I know <laughs> through direct experience, I know exactly what they're going through. And I know that they're being used as sacrificial lambs. I know that they're being used as scapegoats um, to scare the rest of us. And again, I, I just want to stress that when you think you're speaking to people in, in a private setting and, you know, you feel comfortable to maybe unload a little bit of frustration, a little bit of anger, and maybe you say some things that, you know, you wouldn't say in, in the public because you're in a private setting. Um, now, of course, at the end of the day, we are all responsible for the things that we say. Um, so you have to be careful who you're saying these things to. Loose lips do sink ships. And I'm not, you know, judging anybody. I'm just saying that, you know, sometimes you have to be careful who you're talking to. And it sounds like that might be some of this. Um, but at the same time, you know, on the balance of probabilities, was it just a couple of guys that were shooting their mouth off? And, you know, it, that's what it sounds like to me. And, I mean, lots of people have shot their mouth off um, publicly and they don't find themselves in jail uh, under these, what appears to be bogus charges. So, um... Yeah, it's uh, it's tough. I know what they're going through. I know where they're sitting, and uh, it ain't it ain't a whole lot of fun. Um, so my thoughts and prayers to those men, and uh, you know, hopefully justice prevails, and uh, hopefully Danielle Smith has a conscience, and hopefully 
you know, she's looking to find something um, that can get these guys out, at least on bail uh, until their until their trial, and uh, and then go from there. So we can hope and we can we can pray a little bit. Um, anyways, there's a couple other things that we should probably talk about. <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pull up my Twitter because that's always a good place to start. It It's a good place because I, I always talk about what's going on and some of the things that are happening. So let's just use Twitter as a as a thing. All right, there we are. Yeah, we don't need to go through. Well, you know what? That's probably a good place to start, actually. So I had mentioned this in regards to the gun grab. And it's important to 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 read this. Um, hang on, I'm just gonna pull up the actual website instead of the screenshot. Uh, Give me a sec. Because I had some questions that that uh, people were asking me in regards to this. Because I always tell people, you know, go and Google guns and STGs. And when they do, hang on, i got to find the right web page. Because it's important to have the context behind all of this. Because I've had some guys ask, well, it, it's it's really talking about illicit guns. Well, <laughs> it's it's not actually. It talks about a lot of different things. Um, hang on, let's try something else here. Sorry guys, I wasn't terribly prepared for this, but there it is. Okay. I got the one we needed. All right, so I just want to go through this because, you know, as I said, people are asking me questions about it. So the adoption of the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development was a major achievement of the international community. The 17 Sustainable Development Goals and their corresponding 169 targets represent a comprehensive transformative agenda to build a safer, more prosperous, and more peaceful world for all. 
The SDGs call upon the stakeholders, governments, and civil societies alike to make a contribution to their implementation. The United Nations system is doing its part to contribute the realization of the 2030 agenda, including the United Nations Office for Disarmament Affairs. Um, yeah. So we're under global governance as of September 27th, 2015. Thanks to you, Harper. We're under, we're under global governance as we speak because we are committed to this agenda that the UN has created um, where they create cookie-cutter policy for all nations even though they don't necessarily apply. Heeding the calls by many stakeholders for integrating security-related themes into follow-up to the Millennium Development Goals, the SDGs importantly acknowledge the inextricable link between peace and development. For the first time in the context of development, peace and security is recognized as intrinsically connected. The goals essentially recognize that only peaceful societies will achieve their desired levels of sustainable development. So when they're talking about peaceful societies, they're talking about society, eliminating guns from society. That's the overall agenda. That's, that's what we're talking about here. And it's about creating regulation. It's about creating new laws that we're seeing the liberals implement to take our guns away. And then they'll call those guns illicit firearms. So you have to understand how, how, how this, these words are used to influence nation states and their governments. So here's where people get confused, reducing illicit arms flows. And 2030 Agenda acknowledges the link between arms regulation and development. So that's very important. You have to read that. What does that mean? The 2030 Agenda acknowledges the link between arms regulation and development, as well as between illicit trafficking in arms and organized crime. So fair enough. If, if they're going after illicit trafficking in arms and organized crime, hey, go for it. If that's going to help you reach your goal of a peaceful society, um, I don't mind you going after the criminals. But they didn't only say that. They also said, acknowledges the link between arms regulation and, and the development agenda. One of the targets under 16, a goal which focuses on promoting peaceful societies, providing access to justice and building effective institutions includes a significant reduction in illicit arms flow as one of its targets. Okay, fair enough. But what's an illicit firearm after Trudeau's done reclassifying all the firearms in this country? Your firearms that you now own, he's converted into illicit firearms. So you, you have to understand what he's talking about and, and what the actual outcome is. To all of this is. Arms regulation and development are mutually reinforcing undertakings that contribute to a reduction in armed violence levels. The effective implementation of relevant instruments such as the United Nations Program of Action on the Illicit Trade in Small Arms and Light Weapons, the, the Firearms Protocol in the United Nations Convention Against Transnational Organized Crime, and the Arms Trade Treaty 
can greatly contribute to protecting civilians and creating a peaceful environment conducive to sustainable development. Practical international standards and guidelines, including the International Small Arms Control Standards and International Ammunition Technical Guidelines, can also be used in support of SDG implementation efforts. So I'm going to read that again. Including International Small Arms Control Standards and International Ammunition Technical Guidelines can also be used in support of SDG implementation efforts. So that tells me that everything they're going to implement is going to piss all of us off, including the taking of our firearms, including the reclassification of our firearms, of our property. And uh, we're not going to like it. There's a whole lot of things we're not going to like. So that's what this is all about. I want to go next here to 16.4.2. And that says, a proportion of seized small arms and light weapons that are recorded and traced in accordance with international standards and legal instruments. And 16.4.3, number of collected small arms and light weapons that have been marked, recorded, and destroyed in accordance with relevant international instruments to prevent their diversion into illicit flows. So when they come to your house and they take your guns that is your property that you purchased, um, this is how they want to make sure that they're tracked and traced and, and disposed of. So um, I just want to read this last paragraph here too because it's important. With regards to Target 16.4, UNOTA believes that by supporting adequate arms regulation, so this is where Trudeau gets the idea to reclassify all our weapons and to create more regulation around the firearms in Canada. It has nothing to do with the safety of Canadians because we all know it's the criminals who are committing the crimes using firearms and they don't care what the government says in regards to illicit uh, exporting or importing of firearms. They don't, they don't care. They're, they're criminals. This doesn't do anything to make anybody safer. Again, with regards to 16.4, Yenota believes that by supporting adequate arms regulation, well, what is what does that mean? What does adequate arms regulation mean? Well, it means assault rifles. It means semi-automatic. Nobody, in their mind, nobody needs those. Nobody needs a semi-automatic rifle. Nobody needs an AR-15. Nobody needs a black assault-looking-like rifle, right? That's what that is. That's what that means. The groundwork can be laid for institutions to be sustainably strengthened 
and for peace and justice to flourish. Arms regulation pursued through policy and actions based on the concept of measurability, in particularly important to the implementation of Goal 16 and its target, 16.4. In this regard, UNOTA stands ready to support states in capacity building related to data collection. The United Nations Trust Facility Supporting Cooperation in Arms Regulation has been functioning as a flexible funding mechanism in order to promote the nexus on progress between conventional arms regulation and development, particularly to contribute to achieving target 16.4. UNOTA will seek means of utilizing its existing tools and mandates to support SDG implementation, such as international small arms control standards, international ammunition. So they're going to control the ammunition that we can purchase. United Nations Trust Facility Supporting Cooperation on Arms Regulation, Disarmament and Non-Proliferation Education Platforms. So that's, it's important to understand what their language means and what the outcome of this language means for the rest of us and our property um, because if we don't recognize it and we don't understand it, uh, they're just going to go ahead and do it. So, so we need to get it. We need to understand. As I said, I had a couple of guys contact me and say, they're only talking about illicit firearms. No, they're not. Absolutely, they're not. So I just wanted to do that as, as an interpretive piece. And, and ultimately, as I said, we're putting together this project that goes from uh, 1 through 17. Each one of these goals specifically we talk about uh, in this project that we're putting together. And we're hoping within the next few days uh, it'll be ready to be released. Uh, we'll probably release it. You know, we'll release the first discussion on goal number one, sustainable development goal number one, and then carry on and release them maybe every day <coughs> um, for 17 days. Probably something along those lines. So stay tuned because it's going to really help people understand and wrap their head around what these goals really mean for us and how it's going to affect all of us. Um, and I mean all aspects of our life is wrapped up in that agenda. Um, yeah, so here's another one. And I, I got to show you this. I, I, I know it's like fingernails on a chalkboard listening to this guy speak, but it's important because this is the video where he says that they're using COVID as an opportunity for a reset and to reimagine the economy and to achieve the goals of sustainable development. So I, I'm going to have to play it. I know none of us like to hear him speak, but but uh, it's important because this is where he tells the world that that's what they're directly doing. to trusted partners on the ground fighting COVID-19 is essential. This pandemic is essential. This pandemic has provided an opportunity 
for a reset. This is our chance to accelerate our pre-pandemic efforts to reimagine economic systems that actually address global challenges like extreme poverty, inequality, and climate change. Last week, our government committed to investing more in international development while supporting countries, uh, developing countries on their economic recoveries and resilience. And on that note, today, I can announce that Canada will invest $400 million more in humanitarian and development funding, which will go directly to trusted partners on the ground fighting COVID-19. Our government is committed to investing even more in the years to come. In addition, we will continue to advocate for extending the debt service suspension initiative. We will also work on ensuring the special needs of small island developing states and other vulnerable countries are taken into account. Building back better means getting support to the most vulnerable while maintaining our momentum on reaching the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development and the SDGs. Canada is here to listen and to help. Are you concerned? Yeah, so. But yet, Pierre Polivare knows absolutely nothing about the Sustainable Development Agenda. He's never read it. He's never taken the time to look at it. Um, that's his answer. We know he's full of shit. We know he's lying. Um, but this is what both of those liberal government, conservative government, have committed us to. And that's what they use COVID to achieve. And the consequences that all of their measures, all of their lockdowns, all of their trampling of our rights has been a social engineering experiment or project, a conditioning project to get us to accept more of that tyranny, to get us used to accepting the giving up of our rights and our freedoms. And we simply cannot do that. But it's we've as was shown, fear and propaganda is incredibly powerful, and it works. And uh, so, uh, you know, obviously through this whole experience, as as more people continue to die from the jab, hopefully more and more people are starting to wake up. Hopefully, more and more people are starting to get it and understand what this was all about. He just said it. They're using COVID as an opportunity for a reset, to reimagine the economy and to achieve the goals of sustainable development. He just said it. And when he said this, this was actually in September of 2020. Um, when he said it, I said to my wife, he's now the most powerful conspiracy theorist in the country. <laughs> because he's saying exactly what I've been screaming at the top of my lungs over this agenda 2030 that was framed and labeled as a conspiracy theory and it has it, it absolutely isn't but Pierre Polivar would like us to think that it doesn't really mean anything because he's never really read it which is bullshit of course he's read it he's voted on it no less than six times so it's coming well, this one's kind of interesting, too. I'll play this one, too. I want you to hear that clearly. The, having, uh, having said as clearly as possible that the anti-vax people seem to be the winners, I want you to hear that clearly. The anti-vax people appear to be the winners. 
the anti-vaxxers clearly are the winners at this point, and I think it'll probably stay that way. And, and I don't want to put any shade on that whatsoever. They came out the best. They, they have the winning position. The unvaccinated have a current advantage because they, they feel better. The, the thing they're not worrying about is what I have to worry about, which is, I wonder if that vaccination five years from now because really, the anti-vaxxers, I think, were really just distrustful of big companies and big government. Damn right we were. That's never wrong. It's never, it's never wrong. wrong to distrust government. It's never wrong to distrust big companies. Right. Right. So if you just took the position, let's just distrust everything the government did, well, you won. You won. <laughs> you won completely. I did not end up in the right place. Agree? You would all agree with that, right? I did not end up in the right place. The right place would be natural immunity, no, no vaccination. You should take victory, and I should take defeat. We can agree on that, right? That, that my position is now the weakest, and, and your position has gone from the weakest to the strongest, and that we can just say that's true. The people who didn't get vaxxed are absolutely in the winning position. You win. You win. You are the winners. You are the winners. All right, let me say that part with no ambiguity. You won. You won. Uh, all, all of my fancy analytics got me to a bad place. All of your heuristics don't trust these guys, it's obvious, totally worked. So I, I disagree with him in the sense that we won. I don't think we've won anything. I think as a society, we lost because too many people complied. Too many people trusted the media. Too many people trusted the establishment. Too many people trusted the healthcare establishment or sick care or death care establishment. Uh, so I, I don't see this as a win. I see it as a loss for humanity in the interim because look how many people we're losing. There's loved ones that I've lost, that you've all lost. There's children dying. There's people dying around the world. There's people dying throughout this country. I, I can't consider that a win by any stretch of the imagination. It's, it's not a win. That's a big loss. So no. I, I'm not going to go running around saying, we were right, we were right, we win. There's nothing to win here. That's a, that's a disgusting way to look at it, to be honest with you. And I, I don't like it. I just, it, it gives me a, it's bad karma. It's, it's, just, it's just bad. It's negative. Um, <laughs> am I at a better position health-wise and cognitively? 
because I didn't take this and submit 100% absolutely I am and so are a lot of you um, but how can we consider it a win when so many people are dying and so many people are, are injured we're all going to suffer from this there's no question in, in, a, in a number of different ways so having uh, having said is clear. I don't I don't consider it a win, but anyways, let's have a look at some good stuff. this says the liberal government and our mainstream media went out of their way to disparage the greatest peaceful protest Canada ever witnessed and I will never forget what they did we can't ever forget what these animals in the media and our politicians did to us. We can never forget that. You just can't. And as much as <laughs> I wish from the bottom of my heart that I was able to be in Ottawa last year, but we all know why I couldn't. Um, I just thank God that that thing happened because it woke up so many people and probably saved a whole lot of lives and had a lot of people second-guessing the government and its narrative. <clears throat> and, and so, you know, one of the, one of the biggest things one of the biggest protests ever in the history of this country. A year ago, happy anniversary. Absolutely beautiful. But we can't forget what they did to us and how they're still doing it. it it's amazing to me. The, the level of evil that these people have, that they can still be promoting this experiment while watching so many people die and get injured by it. It's, it's phenomenal. The, the level of evil that it takes for this uh, is astonishing. So don't ever forget and, and hold our establishment federally provincially, municipally, fully responsible for what they did to us. Uh, what else do we got here? Oh yeah, that's back to that. Uh, oh yeah, this is kind of a good one too, actually. 
I kind of like this. should be apologizing for his colossal failure to deliver vaccines. Why weren't Canadians vaccinated in January and February like everyone else? Don't ever forget what the establishment did to us. And when I say establishment, I mean the Conservative Party as much as I mean the Liberal Party or the NDP or the Bloc or the Greens or Saskatchewan Party or the... the UCP in Alberta, or the Conservative Party in Manitoba, or the Conservative Party in Ontario, or the NDP in, in British Columbia, or all the rest of them. All of them are responsible. How you doing? What's your name? Mark, thanks for coming. Hey, we're doing a shot here. I have one question. Oh, yeah. I'd love for you to answer. Fire away. You've denounced the world economic Yes. Yes. You denounced the UN Sustainable Development Agenda. The SDGs. I haven't read it, so I don't know what it is. You haven't read it? No, I haven't. That's interesting. Do you want to do a shot? Sure. All right. Oh, very good. Thank you. All right. Thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll have to look at it. Yes, you will. I don't do it. I have a simple rule. If I haven't read it, I don't comment on it. same they're all the same they're all exactly the same I, I don't I don't think I can show that or I'll get banned from Facebook again so if you want you just go to my Twitter Twitter's the place for information these days Twitter's the place where nothing's censored or nothing's banned um, in regards to spreading of information by people like Dr. Robert Malone or others, or Majid Nawaz, who I really like and respect. This was really, really, really sad. I don't know if you guys saw this or not. Slade David Eric Smith, 2015 to 2022. Seven years old. With immense heartache, immense heartache and sadness, the family of Slade Smith announces his tragic and sudden passing 
at the age of seven years on Tuesday, November 29th. Slade was born on his due date, June 28, 2015. He was happy, sensitive, easygoing, and all-around amazing little boy. He loved music, especially upbeat top hits. Some of his favorite toys were Transformers, especially Bumblebee and Optimus Prime, Lego and Dinosaur. Slade was in grade two at Bayside Elementary School in his first year hockey player for the Bow Valley Hockey Association. His dad, Dave, was an assistant coach on the team and helped Slade develop his skills and love for the game. Slade couldn't wait for the lake outside his house to freeze so he could go skate on it. He also loved swimming, riding his bike. (laughs) Jumping off the dock, spending time in a hot tub and making s'mores by the fire pit in the backyard when slade was a baby his mom cinder would tell him when she talked him in at night you're my favorite person on the whole planet no one loves you more than mommy as slade grew older he would say it to cinder first slade was cinder's honey bunny and her whole world slade will forever be missed and will always be remembered for his beautiful big blue eyes, his smile, and for all the love he brought into the world in his short time. Slade will never be forgotten by his mom, Cinder, and his dad, David. Stepbrother Tyler, stepsister Addison, as well as his Nana Faye, Inglis, and Papa Colin, Inglis. Uncle Nathan, Uncle Jordan, Cousins Aiden and Elizabeth, Uncle Cam, Auntie Kate and Uncle Brett and Auntie Carrie and Uncle Ken and Grandma Lynn and Grandpa Larry as well as many family and friends. Funeral services, um, blah, blah, blah. Seven years old, folks. Unexpected. Unexpected. Of course it's unexpected. He's seven. Oh, God, it's just so sick. But everybody just sticks their head in the sand, just buries their head in the sand, and ignores all of it. No, it's not happening. Not at all. I'm probably going to lose my Facebook for another 30 days after this, but (laughs) whatever. All right. Anyways, so that's uh, that's going to be a bit of a wrap, I think, for that. Um, yeah. So head over to Give, Send, Go, search Margaret McKay, and donate to help these four boys that uh, are sacrificial lambs and scapegoats for the government to instill fear in the rest of the people and the rest of the masses. Um, Show them some support so we can get them some good defense and uh, proper defense. Um, They need it. So head over to Gifts and go search Margaret McKay and uh, let's help these guys as much as we can. Yeah, it's my pleasure and duty, Peggy. I have no choice. Too much at stake. Anyways, 
that's going to be a wrap for tonight, guys. Um, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for supporting the channel. Um, and whatever it is that I'm doing. <laughs> I, I greatly appreciate it. I love each and every one of you. Um, until next time. Ciao for now. Oh, and remember, globalism bad, nationalism good. Ciao.